0: is the Toffee Web podcast.
1: Headed into the penalty, out towards Keane and on. Chance here, and it's in. Decore for Everton. His first of the season. Puts Everton 2-1 in front, and for only the third time this season, Everton have scored more than one in a game. On for Decore, given away rather cheaply. Johnson, Yates cut back. Johnson, 2-2. He's done it again. The Welsh wizard, as far as Forrester concerned. It's his seventh Premier League goal of the campaign and Everton pay the price for relinquishing possession far too cheaply. Very pleased with a lot of the performance. mistake for the second goal when we stripped the midfield. We don't need to at that stage of the game, but that's a continued learning kind of curve of managing the game and working from your shape even when attacking. Um, But a lot of good things today. You know, we wanted to come down here and take the game on. That was clear from the the first half, which we did do. Um, Created chances, got a penalty. Um, amazed we didn't get a second one, but you know I, I don't know what, what gets a penalty anymore. You touch someone on their shoulder, they go down it's a penalty. Shame clearly gets their lad, puts his foot in front of him, kicks the back of his foot, and apparently that's not. I don't know where that lives. Um, but other than that, um, you know, an, an overall uh, very strong performance from us. I think on the back of uh, a big shift at, at Arsenal. Forget the scoreline; there's a big physical shift down there. You know you got to work hard. So to respond from that and take the game on today as we did was very pleasing, also.
4: Hello Blues, thanks for tuning in to the Toffee Web Podcast. We're back with a full house of contributors to discuss Everton's disappointing 2-2 draw Nottingham Forest and look ahead to another huge game, well they're all huge from here on in aren't they, against Bradford this weekend. Uh, Al and Andy, I'll start with you, seeing as neither of you were able to be on the last podcast. Um, I couched that draw at the city ground as a disappointment, because even though you know a point away from home is never anything to be sniffed at, it was a bitter pill to swallow that we gave away the lead twice in a match that many of us thought we really had to win. Uh, so with a couple of days' reflection, uh, how are you feeling about the match, the performance and the result?
3: Yeah, I, I was actually... Quite deflated, really, and it it was just for for all the reasons that we've that we've all talked about all season. Really, it's just the the symptom of where we're at. That you know, especially the the the, the individual errors. I felt that for the for the second goal, I thought that you know, Decoré. I, I don't really know what he's trying to do with the ball. Um, and I don't know as well that that was due to really no substitutions have been made. So I know some people gave him a bit of a, a get out that you know he was. Knackered <laughs> and uh, and probably not really thinking of how to play the ball in a better way. But um, again, you know, with with no subs being made, we all know why that probably is because we don't have much on there to change the game. Um, so yeah, I was deflated, but I thought really it's it, the way positives to take that you know it was it was two goals away from home. I think that's only the the second time we've scored in the first half away this season as well. I think the the previous one was lead so you know I think what was really good as well was while it was disappointing to concede the the first equalizer you know the the the, the players have showed the character to get back in the game um so yeah I'd, it's just difficult because I think it's there's always caveats now I think for the rest of the season that it is a it's a massive juggling act really especially for Sean Dyche that while I can not take the positives and I feel that the negatives are always going to be there. Um, so we're up against it really. So it, it, it's really hard to, you know, no matter how hard the players battle just because of those deficiencies in the squad, it's quite hard. So, you know, like I say, it, it wasn't a terrible performance. I thought in spells we did well, um, but obviously, you know, Forrester down there as well with us and the victory you know, psychologically, would have been huge because it really would have dragged Forest back down. Um, so yeah, it's it's almost like <laughs> it's like a bit of a bipolar season, isn't it? Every game, there's sort of there are a few positives to take under the but then you've you've got the negatives that 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 stem from basically the the wider mess at the football club at the minute. Um, so yeah, I definitely definitely positives to take, but again, I, I see that the same hindrances are going to affect the rest of the season really.
5: I can't remember being as annoyed, and I go as far as angry, um, when their equaliser went in. I I can't remember that for a a long time, um, because we're in a scenario now where the last, what are we in? The last third of this season, there are going to be games that we play where winning is going to be really hard. And, you know, taking anything from some games is going to be really difficult because of the quality of the opposition, um, because of our quality, obviously. And I feel like when we get a game like that, where we lead twice, it's against one of our rivals. They're the ones you have to win. And it felt like it. Well, I mean, the old cliche felt like a defeat. It really did. Um, Because... Time's running out, and I think what what it did make me think is that if you take the kind of Sean Dyche bubble of his time in charge and what we've looked like, what we've managed to do, what the team looks like and the results, if that was the beginning of a season, you'd go, okay, that's all right, we're we're not too bad here. We played, even in the games we've lost, Okay, we've lost away at Arsenal, we've lost away at Liverpool – probably par for the course at the moment we played okay against Villa and lost the other games we picked up something from you'd be happy but that bubble is in the is in a treacherous place because there's there's no time for us to be gently kind of oh this is all right because it felt it feels more and more and more each week that we are running out of time this whole thing's running out of time and that's what really made me Really annoyed when yeah there was a mistake for the goal and whatever, but the the fact that we couldn't hold on as a as a squad as a unit out there to a, to what would have been let's be honest a, a pretty precious three points. Um, that's as low as I've felt. I mean the ones that the ones that I've mentioned like you know the Liverpool and the Arsenal and even the Villa to an extent like I kind of get numb to them. I feel numb when it's when it's all happening and you think, OK, well, maybe this wasn't going to be our week. But when it is our week, we've got to win. Um, and I think that's where the emotion kind of changes for me. So I've been pretty down about that one, to be honest. I, I hope it doesn't come back to oh, those two points at Forest. But I think it might.
2: I felt like I was made up. We made up. We hung, hung on for the points. I mean, it took me back to say Burnley, Burnley away last season when we led twice, or yeah, we led twice, didn't we? And then blew it late on. Uh, we capitulated late on. Um, I, was, I was happy that we actually managed to hold on in the end. I know that sounds ridiculous because obviously we were we were, we were winning the game and looked quite comfortable. But I've seen that unwilty enough times, um, so it might end up being the precious points. Who knows? Um, it's frustrating though the second half because um, we did we did well first half I thought and then second half we just took our foot off the gas a bit too much probably there was a few times when you had a chance to break and get that third goal and just you seem more content just to pass it around a bit and you know what I mean and I remember you know, I remember somebody saying in the pub next to next was like I'll oh, do that when you three one up not when you when it's 2-1 and sure enough it came back to bite it's frustrating that it's it's mistakes that are leading leading to goals it, it feels to me like the the players are getting there with Sean Dice. I think they're getting there, the 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 they, believing in what in what he's, he's asking them to do, and that they're getting there. But as you say, Andy, have we got enough time to get there? Yeah, I mean, is, is it just taking a bit? I don't know. Is do we have enough games? Is there enough time for for them for the players to completely get it and completely understand what they have to do? It's going to be tough, and games games get an awful lot tougher, don't they? In a in a um. In the of, from now on, really. I mean, Brentford. I mean, they have uh, coming up. They they haven't lost. They haven't lost in any of the last twelve games. I I only I learned today. It's just pretty worrying. Um, if, you, if you compare compare our form to theirs, they've um, they've scored twenty goals and conceded fourteen in the last uh, twelve games. Um, I thought conceded fourteen sounded quite a lot. So so we can see the twenty four in that time, and then only, and only scored eight. Yeah, you know I mean, so it's uh, you know, it's it's going to be a very tough game on us. I didn't think the games get a lot harder. Whether that'll bring the best out of us, I don't know. Um, we'll have to see. But um, yeah, frustrating on 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 Sunday. But I've seen us I've seen us lose from there plenty of times. So I'm, I was made up that at least we could hold on for the points, and it might end up being a precious point. So maybe it's uh, by the end, oh well, thank God we got that point in the forest rather than oh. Then two points stop, lost at Forest. <laughs> let's let's hope it's that way, eh?
0: That's why I wanted to hear from you, Paul, because I, <laughs> I needed a I needed a big deal. <laughs> um I'm probably somewhere in between in between the two of you there. That it it does worry me that that could be a massive, massive, massive missed opportunity. Um but on then on the other hand, as you say, Paul, it, it could have been a hell of a lot worse. They had chances late on. Um, and we're probably in the ascendancy. And like you say, that came about because of a pretty ragged second half performance, which as you say, is a shame because we, we scored goals. We, we made things happen. Um, we scored probably the perfect Sean Dyche goal. Like if it was a AI chat bot for Sean Dyche goals yeah. and you said, score one, it, it would have looked exactly like that. Two Burnley center halves laying it on a plate. <laughs> it was, it was joyous. Um, but but then it's it's just a shame that, yeah, we, we never built on that. Um, and I think it, you said it, Elle, as well, that the lack of depth off the bench really does come back to bite us at times like that, where you start to see the tide of a game shifting. You really are hoping for some kind of injection off the bench. Um, I know some people have mentioned, maybe could could Deitch have brought someone off the bench to shore us up a little bit at that time? But you could argue... He tried that against Arsenal by bringing on Holgate, albeit in different circumstances, and it, it didn't really work. Um, and then the flip side of that is there aren't really players to come on and maybe try something different up the pitch, get us further up the pitch and keep us away from trouble, which is obviously how we conceded that second goal. Um, it's it's a massive shame because it, it was a game against someone who we we could easily have dragged into it, who are still within reach, Um the, the sad thing is that seeing that twenty six games and a lot of sides on twenty five, that feels big. I think I think it was last week we spoke about getting to thirty eight points, and I would snap your hand off right now at the thought of another sixteen points. At the moment, it feels it feels like a hell of a long way away. Um, I don't think it's impossible, but games like that where you are ahead, where you're ahead twice you really want to finish the job don't you and, and yes it's a point gained on the road but i think yet again and i feel like we're going to be saying this a lot over the next couple of weeks it makes the next game even bigger um we we have to we have to win in my opinion because i think the the further we slip from that group we we got very fortunate the weekend as well in the way that the other results panned out um it could have been a hell of a lot worse. So again, that's something to grasp onto, but it's, it's, it's certainly a bit of a deflating one to come away from. Um, I just hope that we can take those few positives, like the fact that we scored, like the fact we maybe found some different ways to play with Damari Gray up front and take that into what will be a really tough game against Brentford.
4: Yeah. I mean, the, the fact that Forest are in reach, I think is perhaps the, the biggest thing we can take from that match. Um, that, and of course the fact that we didn't lose, which is obviously the first priority away from home, uh, don't lose. I think obviously, if you know, if we'd been behind and we'd, we'd grabbed a last-minute equaliser, then it doesn't feel quite as bad, does it? Um, but it is, as we've all been saying, it is two very important points lost. Um, yeah, I agree with you, Paul. That you know that they are getting there, um, but again, as Andy said, it's uh, do we have enough time for this this sort of incremental improvement? Um, under Deitch, which is which is quite plainly there. I mean, we're much more effective attacking uh, than we were under Lampard. It feels like there is a plan, and um, as you said, Adam, I mean, that really was classic Deitch ball, wasn't it? That that second goal, um, there, there was a there was a set piece plan there, you know, and it was and it worked it worked to perfection. Um, unfortunately, you know, the quality that that we lack, that clinical um, finishing that we lack, Forrest had. With Brendan Johnson, um, and I think I put in my report on the site that you know the, the difference between how Damari Gray handled an open shot in the box and how you know Brendan Johnson handled it was was really the the difference on the day. And yet, you only have to hope that, as I say, with with each passing week, there's a bit more confidence, a bit more um, a bit more thought goes into it when you, when they're in those positions. And um, because let's face it, we really haven't had. Know that many scoring chances in the last few months, really. Um, so it's yeah, you just. I mean, you've, you've at this point, you've got to take the positives from you know, from an away result uh, and from a performance that yes, that yielded two goals for the first time in in a long time. Um, on the subject of the subs, I was I was kind of I was torn thinking about it, thinking that perhaps he thought we were perhaps more comfortable than we were. In that game. That's why he sort of tried to push it. Maybe he tried to push it to 90 minutes to just get the 11 that were on the field to, to see us out. Um, I think with 30 minutes to go and you've conceded the goal, perhaps you try and freshen it up at that point rather than trying to sort of, you know, as I say, drag the last ounces out of a, a team that had worked very, very hard up to that point. Players like Decore had, you know, had covered a lot of ground. Um, so, in terms of the. Um, the, the starting lineup. What do we think of the fact that he brought Gray in for uh, Mopé and how do you think he fared compared to how Mopé has been uh, been doing?
3: Yeah, so I, I think I, I've I've long advocated for for Gray to, even when, you know, Carver Lewin's fit, I'd like to Gray to maybe play centrally occasionally, just behind the striker, because I just think he's he's good on the ball. And I think what we've said on the podcast before is that, you know, other strikers in the league will really you know, hit a shot hard and, and true. And we we when we're attacking, we haven't had that confidence. Where I feel like Grey is one of those people that he has great self belief and I think he likes to prove the doubts is wrong. So I think in terms of just the hunger of having a go from nothing, and you know, as he showed against Man City this season, as he showed against Arsenal last season, he can produce a moment from nothing. So I think really going forward um, that is the the way I'd like to see us play with when Calvert Lewin's not available. Um, so because I think Neil Morpe, you know, I I truly believe that you know I, I think he's a, a capable Premier League player. It's just the fact that this system and this style of play it just does not suit him. It, it it's you know it was it was quite harsh really to sign him and then not have him in a team with with two strikers and. You know, I said on social media on Sunday, it it sort of goes back to you know, like that little that challenge about the 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 fox, the chicken, and the, the grain of how you navigate it so that you know the chicken doesn't eat the grain and the fox doesn't eat the chicken. That is what Sean Dyche is having to do with his team at the minute because it, <laughs> it because of that lack of functionality at the top, um, it's the fact that you know we can all say we want two forwards. But we know you can't play a two-man midfield with the players we've got at the minute. So it, it's constantly. It's uh, again uh, something I posted after the game. It's Everton managers in recent times it, during the macharia of where we've bemoaned the the poor recruitment, They haven't. They're not picking the strongest team to hurt the opposition. They're picking the team that negates the weaknesses in the Everton squad. Um, and that's that's where I think Sean Dyche will really struggle. At. You know, fans may be critical of certain decisions he makes, but I think that everything's a balancing act really with the team. It's you know, you put Damari Gray up front and then you're losing his impact as a as a wide player. Um obviously we sold Anthony Gordon, didn't replace him. So but you can't put Damari Gray out wide because you've got to play him up front. Then you can't have a Wobey centrally because you need him at wide. And you know, a Wobe for me, he's just a placeholder. He's just someone to keep the shape. Because, obviously, uh, Deitch believes that we need the Inanna, the Corre, Gay, you know, triangle in there. But again, so it's, John Deitch can't look at his squad and think, this is the best team for the job. It, it's just, this is the best team <laughs> to balance the match, if that makes sense. So, you know, I, th- I think for me, yeah, Grey is the one. But, you know, we, we've said on the podcast, you know, are the players slowly starting to get it and will we run out of time? But I don't think, you know, they can get everything right and do everything perfectly. But without that centre-forward in the mould of Calvert-Lewin, I don't think it can work truly. You know, we can win games of football, we can, but I think there will be games where we fall short just because of that. Because I don't think it's a case of... um, the players, I think what we've all seen is really encouraging that when we've got the ball in the middle, we move it quite well. They can, you know, break up play, they can attack, they can counter attack, they can be dangerous from set pieces, but it's you know, ninety minutes is a very long time when you don't have that outlet. And let's be honest, the way Sean Dyke has set us up, it's built around a strong, dominant, traditional number nine centre forward. And, you know, we've got 10 pieces of it there. But again, and you know, I, I hate going on about it, but it, it is what's hurting us the most, I think, is that, you know, there's, there's not the outlet. There isn't the attacking sense. There isn't, you know, Damari Gray will make very different runs to um, Calvert-Lewin. And again, it's while Sean Dyche is coming in and telling the players how he wants them to play. The players are probably trying to have to second guess of, right, you know, this is uh, a direct style of football, and it's quite uh, fast and aggressive. But with Damari Gray, similar to Morpay, you need to play it into his feet. Don't you? You can't, you can't be going long, and so it's it's almost like you know, Sean Dyche can, can drill them brilliantly, and they can take all the knowledge and, and and use that and have the game of their lives. But there's probably going to be times when a ball they might play differently to Calvert Lewin, or you know, out wide. You know, if we play the ball out like wide to McNeil, he's, you know, it's pretty clear he's been told, get the ball in the box. But, you know, the role of the Decore and Gay, they can't always be making runs to the six-yard box because of what they have to do elsewhere. So, it is, it's yeah. really, like, as I say, the, the best analogy I can come up with is that fox, chicken and grain. <laughs> you know, it, it's 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 sort of, <laughs> you have to move something over here to then get that over there in place and it's, you know it is. It's. Uh, I think it's a really difficult job for Deitch and I think really fair play to him for for the points we've got on the board and the fact that we're all sat here now saying, you know, there are good signs. But yeah, it is. It's just. I think it's very difficult with the with the personnel at the moment, and calvert Lewin not being in the side. It's really
0: hard to make it work.
4: Start to live for your analogies, by the <laughs> way. <laughs>
0: Maybe there's like a boat being built further down the river yeah. that we're all reminded about every now and again as well.
4: <laughs> yeah.
5: we've, we've mentioned diceball a couple of times. Yeah. What was quite surprising was what we saw in the last 20 minutes against Forest. well, especially the the, the, the passage of play that uh, went on to us conceding the equaliser, it didn't look like diceball, did it? I don't know whether everybody got a bit giddy that we're actually all right in this game. We've scored two goals. We're passing the ball around quite nicely. Um, I kind of expected, uh, I don't know, like I don't know whether he would have shoved on an extra centre-half because I don't think he's that keen to change the shape at any point, actually. But it it, Mm. it just seemed like if we ever did get up in a game, especially having gone ahead twice, that we'd be the kind of team that would go, right, we're just going to hit the channels for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and just get Gray running or one of the midfielders running after it. But we were still trying to play, and whether it's an individual individual decision from a Decoré that kind of was at odds to what the team were told, but it didn't feel like I expected us to feel when we were up away from home in a very important game against a direct rival. We were still trying to be quite intricate in the middle of the pitch. Um, and that struck me as slightly, I wouldn't say strange, but it, it, not what I expected. Um and I don't know whether uh, I'm not saying it's particularly a, a bad thing, um, but it will it, it it might have and it, it might have brought a different result, I guess. But I didn't expect us to look like that under Dyche, two one up away from home in a really big game.
4: Yeah. Oh, well, I think we've seen elements of that under Lampard and it's one. it was one of those passes that if it comes off and it springs you into transition and we score the third goal you're like oh yeah what a great pass that was by Decore but you know it was a blind pass around the corner that was unfortunately intercepted and we could, obviously couldn't recover
0: and it's worth saying as well there's there's a lot of football after that pass um, Yeah, I mean Decore is oh. rightly Been been pulled out for that, um, which is a shame because he's had a little bit of a redemption story. I saw an interview on Sky Sports News, which is usually a sign that things are going to go very quickly awry, um, which we did. (laughs) Um, But then, yeah, there's there's a lot more that can be done, and and I guess that calls into question we we spoke about with uh, regards to the Arsenal game about bringing Michael Keane. I still think with so many options at centre back and with Dyche. Slash dice ball the way it is that we we probably still don't have a definitive answer. I think if you if you to ask most of us who are our best most competent central defenders, you'd probably say Yerry Mina, um, and he has been on the bench recently, which would suggest he is available to however available Yerry Mina is for football matches. Um, but it's it 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 was a it was a, certainly a show of faith in Michael Keane. He got an assist, I guess. Was <laughs> that he certainly showed that he, he can be a presence in the opposition box. Um and that's not me singling them out for either goal. Um but I think that defence is certainly culpable um as much as our kind of ragged play in that second half was for um for conceding the second goal. And I guess to go back to your point, Andy, as well, it that's that's the area where I guess you would question Deitch because if you wanted any kind of manager in that situation winning away from home to see out a game, you'd you'd kind of want Sean Deitch. You wouldn't really lump for lampard would you you'd want you want to can someone to solidify and keep things tight and do the simple things well and see the game out and that that again makes what happened just yeah even more frustrating than it already is
2: yeah the um <clears throat> What's frustrating though, again, was that I I didn't feel like we were really under any any real big pressure in the second half. I didn't really feel like Forrest were really in, in the game. To me, to be honest, I think i like you know had them at arms length really, and it took a mistake for to let Forrest in. As you say a lot happened between the mistake and the goal. It's just a bit frustrating, and yeah, I, I don't think it would have taken much to go and get that third goal. Yeah, you know I mean, a bit of positive play in that final, like we might have just killed the game. The game off, um, in terms of his substitutions or, or their lack of um, he's never really made any substitutions. Sean Dice just goes back to Burnley, he's always sort of tried to sort of you know trust the players that he puts out there. I think it's just kind of his style. I'd rather, I don't think it's even the case of like oh, I didn't have anything on the bench. We did, he had Garner, he had Davis, he had plays he could have put on there, he had, had centre backs he could have used, you know. What I mean, so it's um, wasn't that you didn't have anything on the bench, um, <clears throat> pardon me. Just all, well, I think he just he, he just rather not. I think he just thinks that you know we'll stick with what we got. I don't like changing systems. I don't like do you, putting new players into different positions. Players are settled into a game. It's just his way of looking at it. It's got to be some method and method to it. It's it's, it's obviously you know it's serving quite well, and he's just getting to learn more about his players. And I guess all this time they're getting fitter and fitter, and maybe more and more capable to see these games out. And um, uh, yeah, I me and his uh, absence might be might be something to do. Like would be well aware of his uh, inability to finish games, and maybe he's saying, "Well, I don't want him. I don't want him limping off after 60 minutes, 70 minutes. Yeah, I don't want to make it. Ch- you know, I don't want to make changes unless I have to, or unless we're then chasing the game. You see, see he will quickly make changes when we're behind in games. You'll find, you know. So um, I think mean, it's just his, his style more so than anything else. And yeah, you know, to be fair, having told the mistake, it was working. You know, it was only once the mistake. Mistake happened that it's highlighted, isn't it? Really, so yeah, no real complaint to me on dice, just more frustration that it's another mistake which has led to a goal. I mean, we've made bad mistakes now at Anfield, at, at Arsenal, and now at Forest. You know, what I mean, we can't be giving up and at Home to Villa. You know, what I mean, so we, we can't be giving up these, you know, the, these goals. You've really got to buckle down on that, and um, because we're not really, really going to score more than one goal too often, are we? That's you know, the two, two, the, the two wins have been 1 0. Um, really gotta cut out these mistakes. Um and then yeah, obviously we much more likely obviously to get to get more points then. But um looking at uh, I was watching I was watching Brentford last night They if anyone saw the game but um that's everything that we need right there up front, isn't it? And that um Ivan Tony. Um what a great striker. Just exactly what we <laughs> exactly what we're missing as you kinda of said Al. Um and that might be quite stark for us come Saturday. He's a he's a really good player. That's going to be really difficult for us uh, on the game on Saturday. I'm
0: sure. Uh, I'm sure we'll sign him on a six month loan when he's uh, banned from football. Uh, <laughs> be a very Ken Wright move. <laughs>
3: yeah.
5: When does that kick in, or has it even been decided that it will kick in
3: after his hat trick on Saturday? <laughs> 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 yeah. But people are surmising that I think Brentford have got the top six in the last six games. And you know the way you know conspiracy theory people are you know surmising that oh well you know is that when it will kick in? Um, oh, right. But yeah, it, it's that typical you know self-deprecating humor, isn't it? That <laughs> I've seen it all over social. That yeah, he'll get his hat trick and then that'll be the ban <laughs> after the game.
2: And the other pot will put a good bet on it as well, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
4: it'll be just the way. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, just going back to the Forest game for a bit, um, and, and sort of on that theme of of Deitch preferring a set side and a, and a set shape. Uh, interesting to see that Adrisa uh, Gay was put straight back into the side um, after being hooked uh, at halftime against Arsenal, and I think there was, as I, t- I think we said in the podcast, you know, put him back in there with with clear instructions to uh, to keep things simple, and he largely did that, didn't he? Um, on the flip side, I thought um, Onana was strangely anonymous in that match um and i i mean I'd said last week that I really want to see more from him in the attacking uh, third. I don't think we saw him really at all uh in that game, so that was interesting but uh yeah interesting that the uh that, 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 that midfield duo the midfield trio was restored um and i think it was you know it was a good platform uh on 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 which that performance was built It's just unfortunate that de came up with that uh with with the error that led to the goal um one other question, the, the penalty incident with Seamus Coleman that Sean Deitch was very clearly thought was a penalty. Uh, I don't know. I can I can, I can get the rationale. I, I think had John Brooks not awarded that first penalty, I think he probably gives the second one. It's just the way that these psychological things go with referees, isn't it? But what, what do you think? A foul? No no foul, Al?
3: Yeah, I think I agree with you, London, that I can, I can see the rationale for, for not giving it. And, you know, I think it's... Um you know, not for one minute saying that the, the referees are, are biased, but, you know, it may be that subconscious bias that Everton have had one already, you know, and it's... Yeah, it was a difficult one. I, I wasn't sort of, like, incensed by it. I thought that, you know, it, it's one of them where it was sort of like a bit of a melee. I'm, I, to be fair, though, I think it's, it's more of a penalty than the first one, because I, I personally don't like the way... You know whether when uh, when players get lauded for he earned the he earned the foul, I feel that the, yes. the challenge from the forest defender on McNeil doesn't force him to fall to the ground, so it could be a foul. I just don't i don't I don't like players when they when they you know fall to the ground purposely, intentionally. But you know, the argument would be that you know, for example, the Coleman incident, you don't get it, so you've got to embellish it. Um. So yeah, I think you know, I think both. You know, McNeil was given, and I agree that it was a foul. Uh, and I, I can I can understand why the second one wasn't. But if it had been given, yeah, it, it, it was just a it was a tangle of legs, wasn't it? Really, in the ball and the way it was moving, it was a difficult one. So, yeah, no no great complaints from me. Um, but it was it was good to see you know Gray so confident to to take it and score because uh, as I mentioned before, he's I think he's probably the player with the most self belief, and while. I could never see him as a talisman like Richarlison. I don't think he's that sort of match winner in, in sort of that uh, consistent level. I do think he's got it in. in that if Everton, you know, going into the last few games of the season, if we need results, I do think he'll step it up a level and I do think he can produce. So that was something encouraging as well. I was more... I was more bothered by the fact that they didn't
5: look at it. Well, as in, well, they looked at it for very long. When you went over, I half expected this VAR pouring over every angle. But it just seemed like it was dismissed very, very quickly. And that's the bit that confused me. Because having seen the replay, I thought, well, it was, homely, it was hardly stonewall, not penalty, was it? I mean, it was, it was definitely grey. Uh, sorry as in a grey area not literally Demario. um it, it was definitely it was definitely a little bit of i mean it was probably not a penalty but i th- I, I was sitting there thinking oh we're, we're we're playing on already um seemed a bit strange to me i don't know that would have given me major burnley vibes if we'd got that
4: yeah well it's it I think it's one of those things where if the referee doesn't make the decision on the field they they try and get the, the the review done as quickly as possible whereas obviously if the referee awards a penalty they can take as long as they like to look at it and I think we've seen that quite a few times where there's almost you it almost feels like they didn't look at it at all um you know the, the commentator will come on and say oh, the VAR check is finished but yeah, it's just a few seconds whereas obviously if the referee's made a decision that the, the VR then has to try and overturn or not then it's yeah, that's just him see the way these things go.
2: Yeah, it wasn't that wasn't a howler, was it? Pull it that way from the yeah, from from the referee no. south. That's probably why. It was uh it was yeah, it was. It was. I think that reminds me a bit though, like uh, for us we started quickly and that was it. It reminded me a little bit of Anfield last season when uh and Gordon was like chopped down in the box and then uh, Liverpool restarted started immediately and it was ah oh, doesn't matter, it's it's <laughs> it's penalty. Uh, mm-hmm. pen. Um, I think it was more of a penalty than the one given against us the other week at home of Villa. Put it that way. I think uh, I think the foul that would that was more much more of a foul than uh than one address again was perceived to have done. On um, on begin uh, last uh, the, the other week, and I think to be fair, Sean Dyche was, when he was asking his best coffee he was, "Well, he was like, well, as long as we get it next time, then fine." <laughs> so I can see why he's a bit miffed because uh, you know it's more of a foul, and he didn't get it. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, if it was one of them, if it was given, then fine. If it, if, it's not, if it's not given, I don't think you can really you're not really in position to overturn it, in my opinion. And as well, that, that, was it one 0 at the time? I think we scored pretty soon after, and, and I think I think just because that we didn't get that. It, it, that doesn't mean if we'd have got that penalty, we'd suddenly been 3-0 up. <laughs> it doesn't work like that, does it? You know what I mean? So it's, um, you know, it's, uh, I don't think it probably made a huge difference to the score, to be honest, because we scored so soon afterwards, really. I don't think it, I don't think it personally matters. more disappointed with, that, with, with the Maury Gray's miss. And that was a good, now that was, uh, <laughs> that, that, that was a big moment, wasn't it? If you if if put he down in just before half time, there's a similar chance to, you um, to, to their to their first goal, really. Similar, you know, similar similar opportunity. If he puts that away with the one up before half time, then well we've got a real chance then, haven't we? But um yeah, no, no, no real complaint to me with a penalty, I
0: suppose. I could be contrarian and say I am really annoyed about it, but I wasn't either really. I'd, I'd file it under <laughs> seat seen given. Um I guess I guess the positive to take from that is firstly, we got a penalty in the first place. Um that makes a nice change. And secondly, um, we're getting in most positions. It, it's it's good to see Seamus getting in down that right hand side. Um, I know Patterson's working his way back to fitness with some reserve games, um, but I think again it's it's worth pointing to the hard work that Seamus has been doing both defensively and going forward. I think getting in most positions um, at his age in that position is is really impressive. And and he he was a bit unlucky, really, on reflection, um, but. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's one to be up in arms about. Um, and it and it was a really confidently uh, taken penalty as well, which is which is nice to see. I, I I'm I'm with you, Ellen, that I think Damari Gray might not be our sort of figurehead who steers us to safety, but he he does have a lot of good qualities, and it's an area of a pitch where we are crying out for someone like Brendan Johnson, who just sort of looks like he's going to score. Um, it's a shame that we never got to see sort of Anthony Gordon become that whether he will or not, who knows? Cause he's not exactly been turned up trees at Newcastle so far. Um, but having that homegrown player in that position who can, who can finish is a, is a nice thing. And we saw glimpses of that of Gordon. Um, but I guess for now, the harder working likes of McNeil and Iwobi and Gray, that's, that's what we've got to rely on. That's what we've got to work with. So, if he's scoring goals and he's getting himself into form, uh, whether that's from a penalty spot or where else, I can I can forgive the odd miss, but we we really do need the goals to come from somewhere against the likes of Brentford because I think you said earlier, Paul, in terms of watching them against Fulham, they're a really dangerous side. They're very well organised, very well drilled. Um, they obviously did us damage at Goodison last season at a time when we really needed three points. So I'm hoping we've kind of shook off the ghost of that and can and can do 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 a lot more uh, this time out, because, yeah, we, we really need it.
4: Yeah, that's that stat that you mentioned, Paul, about Brentford, what was it they haven't lost in, what, 12 games? Is that what Yeah, you said, something like 12
2: that? games. Uh, they're the longest uh, current unbeaten run in the Premier League, actually. So 12 games without uh, about defeat. Although oh, 1-6, six, drawn six. You know what I mean? So they've obviously, you know, they can, like I say... Mm. <laughs> Oh, right, I'd, I'd take I'd take their conceding fourteen goals over our twenty-four in the, in, in in our top <laughs> yeah. in our talk games. But that's quite a. It seems it sounds like quite a lot. Well, that that's conceding, but you know, well, I guess it's just over the goal a game, isn't it? I suppose it doesn't. I don't know. It just sounds like quite a lot, but it's actually not. I guess I don't know. But um, for balance, by the way, that's twenty-four points they've got on that time. For us, we've uh, in that last twelve, we've won two, drawn two, lost eight. Just pretty and bear in mind the last but the the wins and one of the draws have come very recently. You know what I mean? So like it's um you know, so it's uh it does suggest that they, you know, just on couldn't form. That would that that was certainly certainly turning that corner. But yeah, um yeah, they're looking in pretty good shape, Brentford. They've probably got they've got eyes on Europe now even. You know what I mean? So really, so it's uh it's not like they're coming here in the mid table and okay, their their season's kind of over, they've got nothing to play for. They've got a heck of a lot to play for still. Uh, Brentford, which is uh which isn't great. Um so yeah, it's gonna be Going to be a tough game. I was a bit, maybe just going to going to like clutch at straws a little bit. I think just maybe that late consolation goal that Fulham scored was a bit of a keeper howler. Might just put a little bit of doubt in the keeper's mind, the defensive mind. You, you know, you probably don't want that at the end of a game. You know what I mean? Which he won. So it might just maybe just give us a bit more hope. And, you know, that was from a very long range shot. So um, shoot on sight, gents. You might just <laughs> might just get lucky on site I think.
4: Uh, it just it sounds like a the kind of run that needs to come to an end yeah. and, uh, hopefully we'll be the ones to do it um uh, yeah i was i was slightly uh slightly concerned by that stat really because i hadn't figured i hadn't realized that they were uh had been quite that good lately but i, I think we have to approach it in the same way that we approached you know we played arsenal the best team in the league and, and beat them at home so we've got to We've got to be approaching it with that that mindset that we can't beat anyone on the day if we can you know obviously have a bit of luck um you know keep things tight at the back obviously score at least one goal and and just try and you know grind it grind results out um from here on in uh, I, I put on Twitter that I'd read that I'd done the old prediction thing again uh and had us staying up on on thirty seven points uh that starts with us beating Brentford on saturday by the way so um that's kind of a a a rod for our back there but uh yeah it's not going to be an easy game by any stretch um unfortunately it doesn't look like Ivan Tony's going to have that hearing before um before the the match kicks off so yeah I'm pretty sure that he will be there and yeah put lumps on him scoring at least one goal but uh any uh do we 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 can't say at this point we're recording this on uh, Tuesday evening so we obviously have no real indication about the fitness of Dominic Calvert-Lew and that will probably come later in the week with Sean Deitch's press conference. There seems, if if Deitch was kind of hinting that he was getting close last week, then perhaps we may see him at some point this uh, this week. Uh, might make a big difference to us, finally get someone in there with a bit of height. Um, assuming he doesn't make it, is it sort of same again up front, do we think?
3: Yeah, I, th- I think that's I think that's the best way to go. I just think that... For the, for the reasons I've mentioned, I think with Demari Gray up front, I think we're more direct. I think we get more shots away. I think we're a bit... Uh, I think there's more pace up front, and I think as well, it, it sort of... The way Gray is with his sort of his running and his his positioning, I think he does get more other players involved in the game as well. You know, not that he's a traditional yeah. hold-up man, but I think he, he can play with his back to goal. He, you know, he can... We can jink in and out of defenders and then, you know, hold it up. So for me, I think Damari Gray is the one who gives us the best chance of scoring goals, and he's the one who probably helps the team the most as well. Because as I mentioned before, I just don't think, you know, unless we change the formation, I just don't think it's it's suited it to Neil Moore play at all. Um And you know, that's not to say that Neil Moore can't be useful in the game. That you know, bring him on off the bench if if we if we need a goal and you know maybe. Have the two up front, but yeah, for me, it needs to stay the same because I, th- I feel that you know, while while the match ended in disappointments, I, th- I feel that like there were positives at Forest. Um, so, yeah, that's the way I'd go.
5: Me too. I think i goes exactly the same. I, I I don't know whether he'll be thinking about the centre half is is kind of the what's what's on my mind, but I I it seems like he's he couldn't wait to get Michael Keane back in the team. Um, for good reasons, I suppose, as he worked with him before and worked with Tarkovsky before. They've worked with each other before, so I can see why. Um, but no, I mean, in the in the top end of the pitch, I, I think keep Damari Gray in the team. I'm really surprised he hasn't played more, but um, it, we are a different team with him in it. And I, and also, as he's so mobile, he, he does actually open up space for others, um, especially if we've got... Well, Onano was a bit anonymous, really, but um, either he or Decorey Making those runs from midfield beyond the front line, I think Gray's movement opens up spaces a little bit more than either of the other two options do. Um, so I'd go the same. Um, I, the 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 only other one, I suppose, I is it will um, will Garner be fit to play Garner? That is rather than Garner, will um, will he be fit? To maybe play in midfield, but I then I don't think he'll change those three now. Um,
4: I'd be surprised, yeah.
5: But he will give us something different when he's there, when he's in there, for sure. I'm actually quite looking forward to him playing um, because we, mm. we we do need his his, his skill set. Um, but no, I think that's too that's too much of a change. Um, it, it feels like he's going to be uh, set on the two centre halves. And until Dominic's back to start, I would say that Damari keeps going. Um, I, I, I did, um, when we got the penalty, my my stomach went, oh, who's going to take this? And I forgot Damari Gray was, you almost forget he's starting because he's not been in the team. But I mean, if it wasn't him, wow, that would have been interesting. Answers on a postcard.
2: Well, in, in the pub, actually, some of the somebody had said the same thing. Like, well, who's going to take this? And some of these, somebody else shouted Pickford, and it wasn't. It wouldn't have been the most ridiculous uh, of suggestions, it would it? Really, no. like you know, It'd be top no, five, it
5: It'd be definitely top five for me. Um, I, I, mean, I, I don't know. I don't know whether anybody. I, I suppose no. I, I don't know who else would take it. I mean, McNeil, I suppose, would have a decent but there, I think it's yeah. after that, it's Pickford all the way, isn't it? Um, Ben Godfrey's the only other one that I thought was worth a discussion. Yes, Gosh, I was goodness.
4: gonna put that one in actually. Yeah,
5: um, how do you feel he did? It was a bit, he had a strange game,
0: didn't he? He's a bit of a strange player. I think, I think yeah. he's, still, he, he's still young, and he's still, I, I think, we're all quite unsure of uh what his uh, favourite position is really. Um, by the way, I would have gone Tarkovsky-Panenka myself, but um, that's just me. <laughs> um, I think he he does look sort of more comfortable in that kind of buccaneering role out wide in the same way that maybe Julian Lescott did when he first joined Everton and then found found form and found a place in the back four in, in a central role. And obviously, with injuries, Godfrey's never really been able to do that. Um and then the issue is, as we've seen, um, mainly when he came on against Arsenal, that he can be caught out of position when played out out wide. Uh, that was on the right-hand side. Yeah, I, he he doesn't fill me with confidence. And I guess when we're coming into this stage of the season, with not a lot of football left, I can maybe understand why Sean Dyche has gone, I know my blueprint, I've got two centre-halves who can play head tennis in the opponent's half and, and get a goal that's what I'm going to do because I, I, I know how to work with these players, I know how to coach them and how to get my message across Um, and I think Mikalenko fits the mould of a, a Deitch full-back in that he, he doesn't offer too much going forward but is very solid and I, I, I probably would expect him to come back into the side. I, th- I think he was, it was just out of illness, wasn't it? He, he Mikolenko. so yeah, you'd expect him to come back in. But I, I think Godfrey is someone to ease back into the side whenever we can because he does have attributes that a lot of our other defenders don't have in terms of pace and physicality. Um, I would like to see more of him, but I'm still a bit unsure about where where best for him to kind of find his feet maybe maybe sometimes coming on late in a game as a sort of spoiler in the middle of the park in the same way that Holgate did um, against Arsenal and only really spoiled the result a bit um, but um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him because he he was another big money signing and it, it would be a shame to see his career kind of just peter out a little bit because that's, that's kind of where it's at and as I say a lot of that's down to injury
2: I think he's fairly handy in a in, in a three at the back. I think I think it's probably his best performance as well right when came and he sort of like Carl Ancelotti, Ancelotti had a pretty good system of like Luca Demas was a bit further pushed up and Godfrey, so it was it was, was sort of left back and and and, and sort of their, sort of third centre back or left side centre back if that makes sense. So. If we were attacking, he was, he was just pushing on. Whereas then other times Dean would talk, talk in it. Worked, it was quite quite a clever clever move, and that was probably where, he's, where he was probably most comfortable because he had a bit of protection defence, and he could just gallop forward as well. Knowing he had a bit of support there, Luca Dean. So maybe something like that. He had a good game against um, Man City, was it on New Year's Eve, and they uh, kept Hall and relatively quiet, I think. Um, so again, a three might be his best role, he's not he's not a fullback, that's for sure. But um, yeah, it puts obviously big question marks over, over um Agra, doesn't it? Of course, if... Um, people have been saying that for a while, haven't they? God, Mikhailenko, he's not up to it. Get this all that in. But if Sean Dyche won't play Van either, then obviously there's some question marks <clears throat> about him. So, um, yeah, Mikhailenko's been pretty good, I think, under Sean Dyche. I, I presume, as you say, he should be straight back into it. I would have thought on um, on Saturday and come, on moving forward. But I um, guess he's still learning about his players, isn't he? Um, I guess <laughs> probably... Yeah, he'd probably learn. I don't want to have to play him much, probably at a fullback, I imagine. But you might feel like that he kind of, you might feel like he kind of has to if there's no if if is not available because there's no faith in uh, in Van Vanagov. I think.
5: And all the learnings being done again, I hate to sound like a broken record, all the learnings being done, really. At the wrong time, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah so, um... Um, or, 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 or he's got to learn so much in such a quick space of time, which uh, you know. Which again, we go back to we've um, we've said it a few times that if this all happened just before the World Cup or even just after, you know, it, there would have been yeah. lots more space for all of this. And if we ticked along like we are, you know, win one, lose one, draw one out of five, six, then it's okay. Um, um yeah. My um my uh win loss, win loss, win loss, win loss idea, um we're two points behind that now. Um that that would have um would have made up for it if we'd won on Sunday. Um mm-hmm. we still would have been going along at that pace. So we need two wins from somewhere. Next uh what is it, Chelsea after Brentford? Brilliant. Actually, having said that, no great shakes, are they?
4: They're not playing well now. So you know don't 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 give that one up but uh yeah I, I think uh given the choice between one sort of more natural fullback who doesn't really offer much going forward versus a converted converted center back that doesn't do much going forward i i go for Mikolenko every time
0: if you look at the sides we've got coming up I, I was listening to a blue room podcast earlier and uh they said a similar thing those run of fixtures after brentford look awful but if you're looking at it in terms of form, Brentford are the form side. That's the tough game on Saturday. Yes, it's at home. But Chelsea, don't look great. Spurs, similar. Man United, well, I think we all saw what happened there. And then Fulham, you you don't know, do you? You've, you've got to beat what's in front of you. At some point, surely, we have to turn a bit of a corner. We sort of did. Um, it was a year ago to the day that we were beaten uh, 5-0 by Spurs. And, that could easily have been a moment where we down tools, and yet we managed to win results against sides, well, against Chelsea, Manchester United, that we didn't expect to pick up points in. It's obviously really disappointing that in these crucial, in inverted commas, six pointers, um, we've we've not managed to make it count and drag other sides into it. But um, I think if you look at those results of the weekend. There are a lot of poor sides in this division and if, if we can find those points from somewhere, we will, we will gain ground um, and it might just be in the unlikeliest of ways um, with a, a string of wins leading to a triumphant away win at Palace and uh, we all relax because we're on about 37 points doing some quick maths in my head. Um, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Uh, but, but we'll see.
1: Toffeeweb.com is the longest-running Everton
4: website with an archive of more than 35,000 articles. You're listening to the Toffee Web Podcast. Okay, well, it's time for this week's question. And uh, speaking of Ruven Nagare not uh, having started a match since the, that cup debacle at Bournemouth, uh, who do we think is Everton's most pointless signing? Adam, I'll start with you.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> So don't yeah, disappoint don't, so us yeah. now. Come on. Yeah, I've, I've got, I've, I have got a good one. Um, um, I don't like to talk about it much, though. Um, it's of course Anthony Garnett now. Um, <laughs> the obvious one from last season, Anwar El Ghazi, just because he was both everything we needed um, and, and absolutely nothing at the same time, and I guess is very. Uh, yeah, um, typical of the uh, of the business we've done as a club over the last couple of years. Um, as well as that, um, if I was to pick some weird ones, I feel like before we signed loads of players, you'd get quite excited about a player who would then go on to do absolutely nothing whatsoever in an Everton shirt. So an early one for me was Eddie Bosner, who I remember being on trial when, when I think we were on pre-season tour in somewhere like Austria. And I remember getting really excited, like, oh, dad, dad, was signing Eddie Bosner. And my dad would just be like, look at me gone out. Um, and he was right. Um, he was right to be nonplussed because um, he 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 did absolutely nothing, bless him. Um, uh, Eddie Bosner is not my dad. Um, I guess there are other players like that in the Moyes era. Um, Anderson de Silva was going to be my, my choice, just because I remember we waited a long, long, long time for him to join. Due to work permit issues and then i think he he played once and then disappeared uh without a trace and if i could i'll, I'll just do one more because i do i do like the topic of uh, pointlessness um <laughs> i'd say i'd say mangala from man city was quite a pointless recent sign it was the season mm. where we bought just about everyone else um and under that crazy sort of year of three number 10s, but we also bought in Mangala, who played in the 5-1 defeat to Arsenal, uh, came off at half-time against Palace, never played again, but still won a Premier League medal with Man City, um, which just <laughs> kind of sums up what we did transfer-wise at that time. Um, but yeah, to go back to my early answer, it's, it's Amwar Garzi. Thank you. <laughs>
4: <laughs> of
0: course.
2: Now that... um. So that, that that Eddie Bosner, I was actually at that game in uh, in Austria. It's a random little pitch mm-hmm. in a place called Koeflach, just outside uh, Graz. And uh, sort of like had a heck of a shot on him, and uh, I think that he nearly scored a free kick, I think. And uh, maybe that was enough to sort of persuade. But um, I was thinking them sort of players, like in terms of sort of um, pointless. But like, Eddie Bosner and the other one, Gullame Placis. Do you remember he was always on the bench in that era, and never never got on, I don't think. But I suppose in hindsight, it was quite a small squad or a very small squad. And had we got a few injuries, these lads might have been counted on. And they're there on like sort of short-term, short-term deals. So, which renders them maybe not so pointless, I suppose. It wasn't like it was like, you know, signed for big money. And, you know I mean? A lot a lot went on. And there's, there's, there's loads of examples. I think it's actually quite a good topic, to be fair. The one that... Um, for me, it's, uh, I'll take you back to 1998 when um, Everton signed John Spencer on loan uh, from Queen's mm-hmm. Park Rangers. And he was, they were in the championship. He wasn't playing for them. And we signed him on loan. He did nothing uh, in six games, no goals. I think his only contribution was a shot, which deflected off Mikel Madar and went in in a 4-1 drubbing at home to Aston Villa. Um, just about survived relegation. And then we signed him. Uh, every, everyone knew Howard Kendall was getting sacked. Peter you know, It just went on all summer. Peter Johnson didn't want to sign um, John Spencer, but he felt he had to because I think because he hadn't sacked Kendall by this point and Kendall wanted to sign. It was all a bit ridiculous. And then, so we, we paid one and a half million quid for him, which is a fair bit of money back then. Um, played three more games and then was shipped off to Motherwell for a couple of hundred grand, I think. Um, so, <clears throat> I think that's about, so overall nine games, no goals, one and a half million quid. And then he was he was gone. So uh, for me, that was about as pointless as I could find.
4: Terrific shout that one!
5: Um, can I take us to two thousand and two? You may. Um, <laughs> when Everton had just signed a deal with Cajun, I think Cajian? <laughs> how do you how do you say it? Um, sure. <laughs> and uh we signed as part of that deal Li Wai Feng. Um <laughs> now we all love Li Thai. Li Tia Li Tai. Um I did anyway. I thought he was fantastic. i I I, I got a lot of enjoyment from watching Li Thai play football. Um uh but Li, poor old Li Wai Feng who came over in the same deal and i imagine on the same plane. Um uh, didn't really last the pace. He he played one Premier League game, which was a... I, know.
3: A, 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 a bet El's, I was going to say, I bet El's got a story about it, and he has. I haven't got <laughs> a story. I'm just very proud that I know the game. South it it? Southampton. Southampton, 1-0 defeat. Marion Parha scored.
5: Yes, Marion <laughs> Parha
3: And do you know who made
5: their debut for Southampton that day? Uh, which I'd forgotten completely. No, Andre on. Kinchelskis. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, what a wow. game.
4: Yes, that's so, right.
5: So he, I mean, poor old Lee Wai Feng could have been up against Andre Kinchelskis at one point. Um, yeah. <laughs> he also played one other game for Everton, which must have been the Rooney game in the league cup against Wrexham. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, Because it says he played against Wrexham. In, um, so it must be that game. Yeah. Um, yeah, it didn't, just didn't work out. But the funny thing, well, funny, but it, he was obviously big in China, came to Everton, did nothing, and then went straight back and became the captain of his club out there and still manages out there now. So um, I'm sure there was some point to it in that there was probably part of some kind of sponsorship agreement in some capacity. But from a footballing point of view, um, Li Wei Feng has to be <laughs> high on the list.
4: Wasn't he a mistake, though?
5: I think he was was. was a
4: mistake. And they ended up signing him because they had to. I don't think there was actually any plan to. Well,
5: well, I mean, I don't doubt that because this is Everton we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How does that work then? That, that, That he wasn't
3: part of the original deal? I think Moyes was it what Moyes wanted uh, when the opportunity arose that Everton would get a player as part of the deal. I think I might be completely wrong, but I think it was Moyes identified Lee Tai, and then Kei Zhan basically uh, did the Lee Wai Feng deal. I don't, this could be wrong, but I think just from memory of reading at the time, I, I remember something similar to what Lyndon's just mentioned that it was there was a mistake somewhere along the line. Mm.
2: I certainly seem to remember that David Moyes didn't know he was getting him. that's the one yeah. thing I do I, I do remember, like, and obviously didn't play him, but uh fascinating is isn't it?
3: So here's my one, and I genuinely think if there was a Everton pointless, I think this is getting a zero. Are you ready? <laughs> so my pick is Felipe Matteoni. Uh, oh, that's
4: a good one,
3: yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So And I am convinced. So we signed him in 2015, and after he had played 13 games for Espanyol over five years. Now, if you do a bit of digging, (laughs) I think this was Everton's last, you know, desperate attempt to keep Lukaku at the club because his agent was none other than Mino Raiola. So he comes to the club having had injury problems. He'd done his ACL, he'd hurt his uh, uh, got another injury, um, and then he signed for Everton. And then immediately we sent on loan to Doncaster in League One and played six games. So I'm wow. convinced there's something there that was, you know, how can we get him Raiola's good books to keep Lukaku? <laughs> we'll sign his player that cannot got a deal anywhere because his, you know, his ACL's done. Um so yeah, so and then he left obviously at the end of the at the end of the season. So that it like completely pointless signing. Um and as we know Lukaku didn't stay, so yeah. <laughs> and then I guess the, the the other one that nobody's mentioned as well is do you remember um another Martinez one? Leandro Rodriguez. Yeah. Yeah. He was a, a Uruguayan forward. I I seem to remember Martinez bigged him up as, you know, one for the future. But again, he, he went on loan to Brentford and played two games, I think again in the third division. And, you know, he's just had a nomadic career since. Who was the
2: first one? Who was the first one you mentioned? Sorry,
3: Felipe Matteoni.
2: I cannot remember him whatsoever. I've got no 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 recollection of him whatsoever. (laughs)
3: Yeah, bizarre, bizarre deal. But as I say, I'm I'm convinced that it was uh you know me and Rayola's probably been trying to find him a club, and obviously we're trying to you know Rayola was probably trying to keep in his good books and thought yeah we'll take him. But um, yeah, he was loaned out pretty much immediately, and played six games for Doncaster.
4: That's right. You know, it, I mean that that angle L does make sense. Yeah, it does make yeah. sense. I do yeah. remember him being a fairly promising player, but as you said, he was just permanently injured. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, it does. That would make sense as to why why we would sign someone yeah. you know that almost had no no chance of playing. Yeah. There, there are some wonderfully obscure shouts in there. I don't think I can really advance any of them because, you know, and and things like the, the Leandro Rodriguez deal, um, and Anderson de Silva to a degree, even Eddie Eddie, Eddie Bosnar and and players like Luciano Trivoli, you know, there was there was an idea, there was a, a theory behind the signing, you know, and so you can you can get behind the club trying to buy players on the cheap or or, or taking a punt on players, and yes, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. You know, and, and if it works for another club we'll we we'll always say, Well, why didn't we try and sign that kind of play when they were mm. you know, when no one knew about them? So, you know, I'm always kind of rest, reticent to, to 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 criticize the club, but you know, the Mati one was a special one. Um, I, I, I just can't I can't top Al Anwar Al Ghazi for the simple fact that it was <laughs> that it was a a um an arrangement just purely it seems for the for Kia Jirapjun. You know, there was no point to it. It wasted a loan signing. Um, You know, he never kicked the ball. Benitez didn't want him, and Lampard didn't find any use for him. So it's just, it was classically pointless, I think, in in every way.
2: One more ridiculous one would be that Shani Tavassage. Is that his name? The uh, the Swiss lad he got. He cost a bit of money as well, didn't he? Like, and uh, mm-hmm. not a game, four years or so for the years he was there, not a single single yeah. appearance.
4: But, but again, I mean, it was someone someone called him the next Shakiri. I don't think it was us, but someone did, you know. So again, you know, just one of those things. Perhaps it works out. Perhaps it doesn't. You know, you throw three million at it, and you can say the same almost for um, Sandre Ramirez. You know, I mean, we mm-hmm. paid we paid him a lot in wages, but for someone who'd scored sixteen goals in the Liga we paid 5 million you know it's kind of one of those those steve walsh things that that ended up costing us but could have worked out possibly if he hadn't been absolutely dreadful <laughs> 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 oh boy
5: <laughs> oh it is a mugs gallery isn't it
4: <laughs> it really is it really is
5: we could have made a team. We could have actually gone through every position and just picked yeah. the Everton pointless 11. That would have been quite
4: something. Um, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure there are a couple of keepers in there like Espen Bartson and, and Marcus Hannam and who never really... But you've always got to have keeper backups. You know, like Andy Lonegan will never, never play for Liverpool and probably won't play for us, but he he's there for a reason, you know. So, yeah. Wonderful. Anyway, yeah. Well, we'll go again at the weekend with another cup final. This time, at least in front of the Goodison and faithful. And uh, no doubt there'll be another raucous atmosphere pushing the boys on. Perhaps we'll see Dominic Calvert-Loon at some stage and hopefully the team can build on the progress that has been made in front of goal in the last couple of weeks and get three absolutely vital points. I uh, will return next week to discuss it all. And until then, Blues, as always, take care, keep the faith, and up the toughies.